Good morning. Would you turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Timothy 4 for the reading this morning. I think it would be remiss of me this morning just to say how proud we are of our son Colin in coming here to Long Crendon Baptist Church. We are absolutely delighted and we would just underline that by saying he's a great guy. <laughs> One warning I give you is if you're inviting him for dinner, he likes food. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we'll turn to the scripture this morning. It's first Timothy reading the entire chapter four. The Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales, Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the unbelievers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Amen. Paul Adair was born on the 18th of June, 1915, in Texas. He was the son of an Irish immigrant blacksmith. And during World War II, Paul served in bomb disposal. When the war ended, he took up a career in firefighting. But Paul wasn't an ordinary fireman. He's better known as Red Adair. And his speciality was putting out raging fires following an oil well blowout. And he was one of the best in the business. 
Uh, one of his greatest challenges was the Piper Alpha disaster in the North Sea in 1988. Uh, fierce fires were burning on the oil platform. There were 80 mile an hour winds and 70 foot seas. And despite these difficulties, Red Adair brought those fires uh, under control in three weeks. Uh, at times, Red Adair himself was unable to attend the fires, and so he would send some of his team, uh, men that he had trained, uh, men who were maybe just as adept as he was uh, in tackling those fires. Uh, Red Adair died in 2004. Now, sometimes pastors are called to be firefighters. Uh, sometimes they are called in uh, whenever situations blow up, when tempers flare, uh, when perhaps the fires of discord are burning uh, amongst, well, within families, uh, amongst friends, or uh, even within the fellowship of the church. If it is a serious situation, then sometimes really more experienced pastors maybe are called in from outside the local church, pastoral equivalents of Red Adair, to try and sort out some of the problems that may be proving difficult to bring under control. Now, Timothy is like a firefighter. He's been sent by the Apostle Paul to Ephesus to sort out some serious problems that there are within the church. Paul himself hasn't come Yet, uh, But instead, Paul has sent Timothy to confront and oppose false teachers, to teach true doctrine, and to encourage greater godliness in the church. Now, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 12 to 16, Paul gives advice to Timothy on how to exercise his God-given ministry in the church. And this apostolic counsel, this counsel from the Apostle Paul, is of relevance to anyone who's engaged in pastoral ministry. And therefore, it's important that we remind ourselves of it uh, as Colin begins as assistant pastor here at Long Crendon Baptist Church. Now, what I've done is I've gathered what Paul writes here, the advice that he gives to Timothy under three headings. And the first piece of advice that Paul gives to Timothy is this, preach and teach God's truth. Preach and teach God's truth. Pastors are men who are to be consumed with a burning desire to preach and to teach God's word of truth to others. In verse 13, Paul here exhorts Timothy to devote himself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. This is to be the focus of Timothy's ministry in the church, and particularly in the church in Ephesus. Now there, Paul refers firstly to the public reading of Scripture before he then refers to preaching and to teaching. And surely that reminds us that it is the preaching and teaching of God's Word, of what God has revealed and has written down for us in the Bible, that is to be the subject of the preaching and the teaching. Ultimately, we do not really want to hear what the pastor thinks and feels and has to say. But what we want to do is to hear through the pastor what God has said and what God wants us to know. Now, the Greek word that is translated here as preaching in verse 13 refers to exhortation, which means that the role of the pastor is to impress God's word upon our hearts and upon our minds and upon our wills. And for this to happen, then, his preaching needs to be clear and direct and urgent and passionate and appealing. Preaching should lead to action. 
It should lead to the response of repentance and faith and obedience towards God. Now, this is not all down to the gifts of the preacher, because to be effective, then preaching must be accompanied by the power of the Holy Spirit, that invigorating power of the Holy Spirit. And Colin, our prayer is that you would rely upon and experience that power of the Holy Spirit as you strive to preach and to teach God's word of truth. Christopher Ashe, in his book, The Priority of Preaching, says that exhortation without teaching is like giving somebody a push without explaining why. And that's why we need teaching as well as preaching. That's why we need instruction as well as exhortation. Uh, And the Greek word that is translated here as teaching in verse 13 refers to instruction, to explanation, uh, to the application of the truth that has been read and has now been preached. In Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 8 in the Old Testament, we're told that the Levites under Ezra read the scriptures to the people. Then they made it clear. Then they gave the meaning so that the people could understand what was being asked of them. And that's a great description of the pastor and the preacher's task. Don't just exhort, but also explain. And apply God's truth. Make it clear. Make it plain. Show people the relevance and the application of God's word to their everyday lives. So Colin, like Timothy, you are charged to preach and to teach God's word. Both in order to evangelize the world, but also to edify the church. Preach and teach God's word. That's Paul's first piece of advice to Timothy. The second piece of advice that Paul gives to Timothy is to practice what you preach. Practice what you preach. In verse 12, Paul says to Timothy, Don't let anybody look down upon you because you are young. Now, we don't know exactly how old Timothy is at this time, but he is probably a similar age to Colin, a young man. Perhaps some in the church in Ephesus thought that Timothy had insufficient pastoral experience or even life experience to be qualified for ministry in the church, to be qualified to come and to sort out the problems that there were at the church there in Ephesus. They despised his relative youth. You see, the Ephesians weren't getting ready there. They weren't getting the Apostle Paul himself to sort out the problems and to restore peace in the church. But they were getting somebody from Paul's team. Somebody whom Paul had trained. Somebody who was well trained by Paul. But Paul doesn't advise Timothy when he goes there and is present and active uh, ministering in Ephesus to set before the church his ministry credentials or to set out all his theological training or his previous pastoral experience. Instead, Paul instructs Timothy to set a good example to the believers, to set a good example to the believers. Timothy is to be a living illustration to the church of what it means to follow Jesus and to serve God. Timothy is to be an exemplary Christian. Timothy is to be an exemplary leader in the church. Timothy is to earn the respect of the church so that they want to hear what he has to say and they want to follow him because he's a man who is listening to the word of God and is seeking faithfully to follow God. Now, this doesn't mean that Timothy uh, is to live a perfect life, because that's not possible. Uh, Believe me, uh, 
Pastors are not perfect people. That said, Timothy has a responsibility to show Christians what it means to love Christ and to live for Christ, despite Timothy's faults and failings. And indeed, one of the principal ways in which Timothy can be an example to other believers is by modeling a life of repentance and faith, and thus testifying to the power of God, to God's grace in his own life. It's naive to think that pastors are free from sexual temptation or pride or envy or greed or anger or doubt or the fear of man. Pastors are just as much in the need of the forgiving and transforming and empowering grace of God as anybody else. And here in verse 12, Paul identifies five specific areas in which Timothy is to set an example Five particular areas in which Timothy is to set an example. These are relevant not just to pastors, not just to leaders in the church. These are actually of relevance to any believer, any Christian, anyone who is following the Lord Jesus Christ. The first two areas relate to Timothy's dealings with other people. Firstly, Timothy is to set an example in speech. Timothy is to be careful what he says, not just publicly from the pulpit, but also privately in conversation with others. He must speak both truthfully and lovingly. Set an example in speech. Secondly, Timothy is to set an example in life, in his conduct, in the way in which he lives. You see, the church not only listens to the preaching and the teaching of the pastor, but they also observe how he lives. Not only do they listen with their ears, but they watch with their eyes. And people learn much through observation as well as by instruction. Now, the next three areas then focus on Timothy's personal life. Uh, thirdly, says Paul, Timothy is to set an example in love. In love. We're not told the, the scope of this love or the object of this love, but I think we can extend the application as far as we can. Timothy is to be a young man who loves the Lord, who sets an example in his love for the Lord's people in his love for his family and his friends, in his love for his neighbor, in his love for those who are outside the church, in his love for his neighbor. Set an example in love. Fourthly, Timothy is to set an example in faith. Uh, Timothy is to urge people to hold on to God's promises and to trust in God's good purposes. But even as he communicates that to others, he's ought, he ought to be doing that himself. He himself has got to be trusting God. He himself has got to be holding on to those good purposes of God, even as he's urging others to do that. Is he reliant personally upon God for help and strength in his ministry and just in the living out of his life? Does he have a faith that expects great things from God and attempts great things for God? Is he a man of faith? Set an example in faith. Then finally, fifthly, Timothy is to set an example in purity. In purity. Uh, Timothy can set an example to others by keeping himself from sin. Now, he won't always succeed. But then he can give an example, can't he, to others in repentance and faith, in saying sorry and giving evidence of that ongoing sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in his life. Colin, let me urge you to set an example to others in these ways. 
in the way in which you live before the world, in the way in which you live within the church, within the fellowship of the church here. Practice yourself what you preach to others. Paul Tripp has written a book. It's called Dangerous Calling. Uh, The subtitle of the book is The Unique Challenges of Pastoral Ministry. And one of the main snares that Paul Tripp identifies for pastors is that we can become comfortable with the discontinuity between what we preach and how we live. There can be a disharmony between the public persona of the preacher and the details of his private life. Colin, there must be integrity in your ministry. There must be consistency between your words and your conduct. People will not listen to what you say if your life and your words are out of sync, if they don't match up. And that's true not only for pastors, but it's true for all Christians. Jonathan Lamb wrote a book for Christian leaders. It's called, uh, has the title Integrity. Uh, and in the book, he warns that, that people, when people become cynical about the messenger, they doubt the credibility of the message. When they become cynical about the messenger, they become critical. They doubt the credibility of the message. But alongside that warning, Jonathan Lamb said this, that godly example can be enormously influential. Godly example can be enormously influential. So Colin, practice what you preach. Set an example to others. Set an example in how you use your time, your gifts, your money. Set an example in your speech. Set an example in how you deal with your own sin. Set an example in your love, your love for God, and in your love for others. Preach and teach God's words. Practice what you preach. And then the third piece of advice that Paul gives to Timothy is this. Persevere in sound preaching and teaching and in exemplary living. Persevere in these things. Preach and teach God's word. Practice what you preach and persevere in these things. Keep on going in these things. Look at verses 15 and 16. Paul says this. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save yourself and your hearers. Colin, if you want to be a useful instrument in the hands of God to effect God's saving purposes, then you need to persevere in these things. You need to persevere in preaching and in teaching God's truth and in practicing what you preach. Timothy is not the finished article. Timothy is a work in progress. We're all works in progress. There is still so much that Timothy needs to learn, and that will come through experience as he perseveres in ministry. His own character will develop. He will become increasingly more like the Lord Jesus Christ. His understanding of God's truth will deepen. His love for the Lord and others will increase His faith will grow stronger over time. As he perseveres, he will become a more effective minister of the gospel. Colin, you are still a work in progress. We all are. However many years we've been Christians, however long we've been following Christ, however great our biblical knowledge, however great our theological understanding, whatever responsibilities we've been given in the church, 
We need to persevere in the faith. We need to persevere in following Christ. We need to persevere as pastors in preaching and teaching God's word and in practicing what we're preaching. Now, as sinners, we all have the perverse ability to be far too easily satisfied, uh, to become comfortable with our present attainment. We, We find ourselves willing to settle for less rather than to press on working for more. And surely we want to know more of the Lord Jesus Christ. And surely we want to be further fashioned and formed into the likeness of our Savior. And surely we want to be more and more useful and effective in his service. But we need the help of the Holy Spirit in order that we might make continual progress in our Christian lives. And churches need to see progress in the lives of their pastors. Paul also warns Timothy here to be self-watchful. Timothy is to give attention to himself. In ministry, many demands are made upon you, and you carry that weight of responsibility in your concern for those that are entrusted to your care. You are the shepherd of the flock. But you must also give attention to yourself. And Colin, the biggest battle that you will fight in ministry will not be doctrinal errors or pastoral crises. It will be the battle that is going on in your own heart. For your own heart is where you're most exposed to danger. And so, Colin, you need to be concerned for yourself as you're also concerned for others. You need to watch your doctrine closely because your primary responsibility is to preach and teach God's truth. You want to do that well. You want to do that faithfully. Watch your doctrine. But you need also to watch your life closely, verse 16. Because your way of life is to endorse and to authenticate and to illustrate your word ministry. So Colin, persevere, persevere in preaching God's truth, in teaching God's truth, and persevere in exemplary living. So here in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 12 to 16, Paul gives three pieces of advice to Timothy, a young pastor. Advice that is continuing relevance to those who are engaged in pastoral ministry today, but actually has relevance to all of us if we are Christians. To make God's truth known to others, preach and teach God's truth. But practice what you preach. May your life support the witness of your lips. And then persevere in these things. Press on with the help of the Holy Spirit, making progress as you live for Christ. Colin, our prayer is that these three things will characterize your ministry here at Long Crendon. That you will preach and teach God's word faithfully. That you will practice what you preach. And that you will persevere in serving the Lord Jesus Christ, your Savior. Right at the very end of Jonathan Lamb's book, Integrity. In a postscript, there is a closing checklist. There are five things that he encourages Christian leaders to do. And let me just leave these with you as I close. And again, these have much more general application, not just to pastors, maybe particularly to pastors, to those that are serving and working in the church, perhaps in mission or other Christian service. 
but really of relevance to all who are Christians. Firstly, remember God's call. Remember God's call. You've spoken today, Colin, of God's call upon your life. You will be better able to cope with the ups and downs of pastoral ministry when you remember that God himself has called you. Remember God's call. Secondly, practice God's presence. Nurture your own relationship with God. Practice God's presence. Thirdly, receive God's word. Before you preach and teach it to others, receive God's word. Read God's word. Listen yourself to God's word. Fourthly, rely on God's people. Integrity is nurtured in community, in Christian community, and through strong relationships of support and accountability. So rely on God's people. And to the church here, I urge you to pray for Colin and for others in the pastoral and staff team here. Nurture them. Pray for them. Support them. Encourage them. And help them as they seek to serve God amongst you. And then fifthly and finally, rest on God's grace. Rest on God's grace. God's grace is sufficient. God's grace comes to us in abundance. And we need to rest, rest securely on God's grace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these words of the Apostle Paul written down for us as he writes to Timothy, a young pastor. And we pray for Colin as he commences his ministry here at Long Crendon. Father, we pray that you would help him, that he might put these things into practice in his own life. That as you have called him, that you will empower him and enable him that he might preach and teach your word of truth. To do that with great diligence and faithfulness, with much reliance upon the work of the Holy Spirit, to empower the words that he would speak. Father, we pray that you would help him to put into practice the truths that he proclaims to others. We pray that you would help him to be a man of integrity, a man who lives out the counsel that he would give to others. Father, we pray that we might see much grace in his life, that there would be that clear, compelling evidence of your work by your Spirit in his life that would be an encouragement to him personally, but an encouragement to many others. And Father, we pray that you would help him to persevere in these things, that when the going does get tough, that he might know your presence, that he would hold on to your promises. Father, that he would rely upon your grace. And so, Father, we pray that you would be with him and watch over him and use him to accomplish your purposes and all for your glory and for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.